Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back. And as soon as Nate quits chatting with Karen, we'll get him on the phone and talk about what's going on up at his tournament. So, uh, uh, Karen, could we get you to hang up the phone? Thank you. Let's go to this to get talking. It's ridiculous. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Hey, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. talk very much. Yeah, come you on. and Karen can't get you to come. I, hey, in all honesty, you know, both of you, the show doesn't run well without you. So I got to be quiet because I'll get in big trouble one way or the other here. Hey, um, I heard that they're out in boats at Chatfield. Is that right? Right. We uh, we are at Chatfield Reservoir. Terry, this is uh it's a very special day. I mean, obviously, um, weather has been crazy. Ice conditions have been crazy. Um, and you want to talk about a cool venue. So we're at Chatfield Reservoir. This event was usually going to be held at Jackson. Jackson is like half ice, half open water. Um, and kind of, you know, we're actually going to do a quick public service announcement. So Jackson Reservoir right now has got a great wiper bike going on the ice. It's got a great walleye bike going on the ice. But the ice is deceiving. So I was there Monday, and we literally had seven and a half inches of amazing ice. But within that seven and a half inches, I, I, I don't really think it's a spring, but whatever reason, there was little pockets of open water mixed in with this great ice. So you could literally be on Jackson and be standing on seven and a half to eight inches of ice, and you could jig in open water, um, little pockets like 10 by 10 squares all over the place. So it's a combination of good ice and terrible ice on the same fishery. So I know there's still a lot of people out there at Jackson. Please use extreme caution because if you walk offshore 100 yards and drill a hole, you're going to measure it at seven inches instead of a big hole. And there's literally 100 pockets out there on that south side that that have open water. And it's small little pockets. So, you know, use a, if you're out in low light periods, use a flashlight, carry a spud bar. Uh, be cautious. But regardless, we moved from Jackson to Chatfield. Um, and we are excited to be here. Obviously, one of my home lakes. Um, we're down south, so we're south of the swim beach, uh, kind of by the gravel pits area. Um, we're here at Chapel. We're getting, so far, we've seen a bunch of different rainbow trout. Uh, we've seen perch. We've seen walleyes. We have a couple suckers. Um, wide variety of species coming in. So everybody kind of has a, a different opportunity for targeted species, which we're excited about. And, you know, looking at Chapel right now, we're on like eight to eight and a half inches of great ice on the south end, and yet the dam is still open water. And I talked to an angler this morning who uh, who wanted to get here for the tournament early, uh, and he actually went and threw jerk baits on the dam, and he was catching walleyes in open water, and now we're ice fishing on, on eight inches of great ice all in the same day. So, so much opportunity uh, of fishing right now. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, and we're going to talk, in addition to what you talk about now, we're going to talk to Austin Parr later in the hour, too, and we're going to start comparing uh, the fact that there's ice and open water and ice in the mountains and an opportunity, like you mentioned, Jackson Lake, that's is fishable one way today might not be fishable that way tomorrow. It may freeze or it may thaw. It's a, we're in that time of the year when a lot of things will happen on the front range. But the tournament, you know, I want to make a comment on your tournament before we maybe move on to some of the other opportunities in the area. And that is the fact you said they're catching a lot of trout. I think too often trout get overlooked both winter and summer at Chatfield. Now in the heat of summer, they go deep and you don't see as many caught. But when those trout 
are in there holding over and they start eating shad, not only can you get numbers of holdover trout because it's a colder reservoir than maybe Cherry Creek, but you can get some awfully large ones, Nate. Absolutely, Cherry. You know, we're down here on the south end. We have the south plat running in. I mean, these fish are literally spawn right now, getting ready to run up that river to spawn, and you do, I mean, on a, on a given year, when you ask me, if you talk to me in December and say, hey, what was your biggest trout of the year? Oftentimes, especially on the brown trout side, our biggest fish are from Chatfield. You know, it doesn't compare to a spinny or an antero with numbers of those fish, but sheer big fish to big fish, I mean, I agree 100%. These front-range lakes can can definitely get overlooked as far as the, the opportunity for trout. Um, and honestly, Again, whether you're open water ice, this is the time of year where it really starts getting good. Um, you know, early ice is good. There's so many species early ice is that prime time. Uh, but for us here, it's more about gathering of the fish. And as we get into February, like I said, we get pre-spawn. So you get your bigger, more natural, mature fish that run up the South Platte Basin. You have them running up the Plum Creek Basin. And you have big gatherings of these fish, so the opportunity is high for your catch rate. Then we also get a ton of that stalker-sized fish and that little bit younger fish that pile actually into the boat dock bays, and they're almost coming back to where they were stocked. Um, it's like right now at the north boat dock, you got good ice, and you get a ton of trout that pile in there in a pre-spawn situation, especially as we proceed into February. Um, so there is there is a ton of opportunity um, right here for, for numbers of rainbows as well as big ones. Um, and right now it's both open water and ice opportunities, which is which is kind of cool on the front range right here. Well, I'll, I'm gonna I'll share something, and this goes back about 12, 15 years. But I had one day I took an ultralight rod and a small tube jig down where the plat comes into the back of Chatfield. I only caught six trout that day, but the smallest was 22 inches, and the largest was 27, and that was a spring spawn. <laughs> So if you can get some incredible trout. I, I have a question before we move on maybe to some other opportunities and tell people they should come down to your tournament and watch. Um, is Chatfield going to change a lot? Uh, when are they going to start? I know they're doing a lot of work. They're going to fill it and raise the water. When will we see the level of the lake start to change? You know, the, pretty much 100% of the construction is done. They're still doing some revegetation stuff, still doing some planting. Uh, but pretty much the, the park is ready to go as far as the main uh, change-up of all everything to do with the park itself. So you're going to see that water climbing this year. Um, generally speaking, our runoff for us here is going to be, you know, in that May time period, mid-May. Um, so that's where you're going to start to see the first influx of that water. Now, the, the general capability, if you know the lake now – we're about a foot down from normal full pool or 10 inches from full pool. Um, it's going to have the capability of going 14 vertical feet above that. Um, now, with that being said, I think so much of the public thinks that it's going to go up 14 and stay there. Um, it's Again, this is a water management storage type facility. So there's gonna, it's going to be a relationship to how much runoff is coming in, how much there is a call for water. So there's going to be portions of the year where it's going to be the same level it is right now. There's going to be times where it could be 14, 15 feet above where it is now. Generally speaking, I think we're going to hold a, a pretty good uh, consistency of probably somewhere in that six to eight foot, uh, nine foot above the pool it currently is now. And that's probably going to be more the stable zone of where it's at. Uh, but regardless, it is definitely going to change things up. Um, 
it's going to be an enhancement for all of our panfish. So we're going to see more bluegills. We're going to see more perch, more crappie. All our panfish that are currently in Chatfield, you're going to see a boost in that population, which is very exciting. Um, you're also going to see a little bit boost in our bait fish. Um, obviously, bait fish, generally speaking, our bait fish populations are high in Colorado. Right now at Chatfield in particular, we are on a low of shad um, just because they lowered the water during a spawn cycle. It cooled off. Um, long story short, it was a change up of, of the bait fish. Um, but when we have these trees and a lot of vegetation in the water, we're going to have an increase of that bait fish population, which is nice. Um, the other biggest thing that you're going to see that's going to change at Chatfield is right now our mature walleye. So when you're talking about chasing 28 and 30 inch fish and 32 inch fish, your biggest walleyes right now live suspended and very few anglers Either they don't target them or they don't know how to target them. And that's what prevents the average angler from seeing a lot of the bigger fish that call home at Chatfield. So our huge fish population is massive here. You don't see them caught on a regular basis because they're living suspended. Once these trees flood, once the water comes up, those fish are going to inhabit those trees, and you're going to see a lot more opportunity at big fish. Now, it's a different style of fishing. You're going to be pitching jigs and pitching cranks and fishing live bait in trees, in vegetation, um, very similar to what you see at like a Lake McConaughey or a Glendo, um, or if you're from the Midwest, you're more familiar with it. But it's generally speaking not so much a Western thing to fish that vegetation because we don't have it. Uh, but the anglers that learn to target those trees, catch those walleyes on those trees, they're going to see a major influx and opportunity at a lot bigger fish than they're used to. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the best advice is stay tuned right here because we're going to follow it and you're going to give us updates and other anglers are going to give us updates. And we'll try it because it's going to be one of those where, you know, you might want to throw away the playbook and start building a new one as we get into <laughs> absolutely. this year. So before we run out of time, Nate, uh, what else have you heard that's going on around the state? You know, again, uh, opportunity-wise, it's great. We're starting to somewhat approach our pike season through the ice, so we're excited about that. Um, it's not full-blown pike season yet, but we're starting to see a little bit more activity of our pike through the ice. Um, we're definitely seeing our rainbows at all the fisheries. Your Delaney Buttes, your Anteros, 11 miles. We're starting to see a lot more rainbows showing up shallower, uh, which is a nice thing to see. Again, just more opportunity. So if you've been trout fishing, I would say you can probably uh, count um, and or look for those fish a little shallower, which we love to see. Um, and we are definitely starting to see the, the very beginning stages of pre-spawn walleyes. So on the front range, Chatfield, whether ice or open water, Cherry Creeks, Pueblos, we're just starting to see the very beginning phases um, of these walleyes coming a little bit shallower and kind of showing some signs of that, that pre-spawn. Your males are getting more aggressive. Uh, they've definitely moved from where they were at two weeks ago um, to some slight migrations in the walleye, seeing that. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, other updates. We're here uh, right now at Chatfield Reservoir at the Ice Addiction event. Um, I keep hearing uh, the scale go off. I'm, I'm several hundred yards from the course, but I know guys are catching fish. Uh, so I'm excited to come down here and see what's happening. But uh, while the ice exists here at Chatfield, again, it's nobody's guess. It's going to be warm today, warm tomorrow, but then we have a, a very, you know, ice fishing conditioned uh, forecast this next week. Uh, so it's hard to say what the ice will do, but while you have, uh, you know, fishable ice, I think the bite here at Chatfield is very hard to beat. Now, what's going on at the tournament? How long will you guys be there? And what would people see if they're listening right now and they just want to run down and see? Absolutely. Welcome down. We have a bunch of spots. We're parked in the Jameson area, which is just to the, the north, or excuse me, just to the south of the swim beat. Um, so we're going to be fishing until noon. Uh, so, again, you know, another hour and hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes of actual fishing. 
Uh, and then we have usually about a 15, 20-minute delay. Uh, and then we start our award ceremony right here in the park. And I have a bunch of giveaways. Um, and then we'll, we'll uh, award our heaviest 30 fish their prizes, uh, which the first place is $10,000 cash. Uh, so we'll award all those anglers those prizes. Uh, and then generally speaking, we're here for a few hours. You know, So uh, the prime time to come hang out is to watch that award ceremony. You can hear what guys caught. They're going to talk about it on stage as far as what they were using. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of education. But, again, if you want to come check everybody out, uh, we'll be here uh, for a few more hours. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And um, you're still booking trips and things. If people want to book a guide trip, whether ice or getting ready for open water, how do they get a hold of you, Nate? Absolutely. You can go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. Uh, you can always hit us up on Facebook, Tightline Outdoors. Uh, we got a ton of stuff going on right now. So we're approaching a, a really great lake trout season. So we're doing a lot of lake trout trips. Um, right now we're probably averaging 15 to 20 walleyes a trip down here at Chatfields. We have a walleye bite, a lot of lake trout. We're now booking for our salmon and our pike trips. Uh, so generally speaking, later February is the peak time for kokanee salmon at 11 mile as well as our pike. So doing a lot of pike fishing. Uh, and then obviously I think uh, the biggest phone call we're getting is really anticipation of our spring walleye trips. We do a ton of those walleye trips in spring, a lot of night fishing, a lot of big fish focus, uh, and we're getting ready for that. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happening. Uh, obviously we have our last ice addiction event at Grand Lake February 22nd, but everything is at tightlineoutdoors.com and tightlineoutdoors on Facebook. All right, my friend, we will talk. I'll talk to you in two weeks. I'm headed to uh, Florida myself. You know, I'm trying to see if I can find some ice down there. Yeah, good luck with that. I know exactly where you will find ice. Yeah, well, I went in my drink, right? But we went, we went, exactly. we went, we went to Hawaii early in the year. I couldn't find any ice. I went to South Padre Island. I couldn't find any ice, but I keep looking. So you keep looking. Good I, luck with your success. I'll be I, standing on it here in Colorado. Yeah, I'm, I'm dedicated to it. All right, Nate. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Nate Zielinski from Tightline Outdoors, a great contributor. You know, Nate's on every week around the ten o'clock hour and. Fishing, hunting, just brings a lot of great information. Speaking of great information, we got a lot of it coming up right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. One of our favorite contributors is joining us, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a strange time of the year. Well, it's been a strange winter here on the Front Range to start with. But this time of the year, it kind of intensifies even because what is a fishing opportunity today is a different fishing opportunity tomorrow where you've got open water one time, you've got ice another, and it'll change either way back and forth. And then the rivers, the flows will change with some melting. They'll come up and down, a little precipitation. But there's a lot of opportunities to just kind of kind of pick your spots, don't you? Yeah. And, I mean, even some multiple opportunities on whatever lake you're depending on heading out to on the front range. I mean, right now it's 64 degrees outside and, and warm, but we're going to be seeing potentially zero in the middle of the week. So although we may get a little ice melt today, we may uh, stave off full-on melting uh, middle of the week next week. But then a place like Chatfield's offering – ice fishing on the south side of the lake, and as you move to the north side of the lake, uh, good open water action as well. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Let's kind of go through some of the opportunities and how people can take advantage. Let's start with probably what's the most stable right now, and that's the higher elevation ice fishing. What are you hearing up yeah, there? So that's definitely going to be the most stable, and as far as safety is concerned, that's, that's definitely it. Uh, 
As you move in through South Park, the action's been a little bit slower than it is early in the season, and that's very typical of this time of year. And it's very critical if you're heading up there that you hit those lakes really early in the morning. Later in the afternoon, that, that bite really tends to die. But as you move up into the Middle Park and North Park range, uh, the bite's been really good. But the one thing I can say particularly about areas like Steamboat and Stagecoach, uh, there's a lot of slush on those lakes up there. So if you intend on going up, make sure to have a good solid pair of waterproof boots or muck boots or, or something of the sort. Uh, but Stagecoach early has been a fantastic bite for fish that honestly average in that 18-inch kind of range. And then as you move up to Steamboat, you can have some of the same action with fish that even sometimes can be larger. It's one of my favorites this time of year. But like I mentioned, the, the slush can be a little bit uh, restrictive. Uh, then as you go down to places like Green Mountain Reservoir and Granby, both lakes are fishing really well. Uh, the big fish bite's been a little bit slower, and, and people that are having success with that are, are really putting their time in and drilling a lot, trying to find active fish. But the numbers bites on your typical areas, such as Dyke 3 or moving down to Sunset Point on Granby or out off the Heaney Boat Ramp at Green Mountain, all can be really good with some of your basic white tube jigs, but then also moving into some of your gold minnows as well as dark colored tube jigs, typically all uh, tipped with sucker meat. Uh, and you talked about some presentations, but, you know, I want to go back to uh, a steamboat lake you mentioned. You know, it's a sleeper. We hear about Stagecoach all the time because they manage it for trophy trout and trophy pike. And we'll get back to that one in a minute. But I don't know. I've I've never ice fished it, but I don't think that it gets the pressure maybe Stagecoach does. Is that your feeling? It really is. That's absolutely my feeling. And it's further away from Denver. I mean, it, from... From the middle of Denver, you're honestly four hours plus to get up there. So it's a little bit of a poke. Uh, definitely on a one day, uh, renting a hotel room somewhere up there can definitely help to ease that pain a little bit. But there's not only rainbows and cubbos in there, but there's also a very healthy population of Snake River cutthroats. And it is not uncommon to catch a fish up there in the mid to high 20s uh, as far as inches are concerned. And they fight hard. They're very aggressive this time of year. And Due to the fact of a lot less pressure, it seems like it does not die off as far as the bite like Antero or 11 Mile does this time of year where guys go and catch four or five fish and feel like they're having a good day. You can go to Steamboat right now if you know what you're doing and use the same type of presentation, you know, small tube jigs like a, a Trout Traps or a, a Berkeley Atomic Teaser. Uh, some of your little gulp minnows up there can be really effective as well. Also things like rat finkies and small tungsten jigs all can be effective. But you can do all the same te uh, techniques that you're used to and maybe have a day that's a 30 or 40 fish day with quite a few fish over 20 inches. Now, uh, using that as an example, and, uh, typically early ice is very good fishing because you get a couple weeks while well, a, a lake is icing up that it hasn't been fished in open water and the ice hasn't formed enough to get out on it. The fish aren't harassed. There's really high oxygen levels in the lake. Then as you move into winter, you get a, a decline in oxygen, especially if you get snow on top of it. And, and And pressure starts taking an effect also. But then as you get towards spring, you start getting a little water flowing in. It melts from places, get a little reoxygenation. And the ice by shore may even start to recede a little bit, but you still have good ice out there. Up in Steamboat through now and spring, what type of depths would you fish? I still like that range of that 12 to 14 foot. Sometimes I'll go a little bit shallower. It's a very clear lake, and sight fishing opportunities can be really good shallower. But I like that 12-foot range the most right now. And, and getting away from your main boat ramp area is also something that I seem to, to do better with. Right around your boat ramp, uh, that's your main marine area right there, they stock it in the late fall. And it seems like you, you really struggle to get out of your smaller size fish in there. If you can 
put a little bit of hike in, get off of some of your points and a little bit further away, you can catch fish that are much nicer and still have good numbers. Well, and you brought up a great point. Any of the ice fishing lakes right now, mobility is going to be the key. Get away to pressure, get find good ice, get to where there might even be a little inflow under the ice. Uh, and we also get a lot of snow buildup this time of the year, so it can be difficult to walk. And you get slush yeah. that makes it extremely difficult for a snowmobile or an ATV. So you really have to be aware of those conditions before you head out, don't you? Yeah, and I mean, the slush up there, like I mentioned, do not go up there underprepared on footwear. You have to have something strong and, and solid. And, and in reality, I mean, I'm not a, a huge fan on thin ice of doing this, but on thick ice, if you've got a pair of waders that are good and insulated, they're slush to the point up there that those help to save your day. So either muck boots or something to just keep that slush off your boots. You can catch a lot of nice fish still, but just standard short boots can make you miserable. And not only miserable, but it can be dangerous. I, I've even snowshoed on some of these lakes at times. Yeah, so, that's yeah. a completely other option that is, is probably overlooked by a lot of people. Now, you mentioned stagecoach also. Um, stagecoach is one you can run snowmobiles on. I don't know what the slush conditions are there. But if you're, um, we should start seeing both. Uh, I know Nate mentioned we're starting to see it at 11 mile. We'll start. We should start seeing at Stagecoach Terriel. We should start seeing a, a, a towards spring pike bite start to take off. Yeah, and I mean Stagecoach over the years, the pike seem to not quite be as productive as places like 11 mile. Um, you know, there's a lot of smaller fish in that lake. There are certainly some really nice ones, but you don't hear about it nearly as much. And I personally don't target it a whole lot, but they are there. And and it's an area that's less pressured than 11 mile is, but the trout bite is, is amazing up there still all the way through the ice. And, and, uh, but the, the thing about the pike is it just gives you that secondary multi-species opportunity to, to go and run some tip ups or, and, uh, potentially have a chance at a really large fish. Well, another thing too, I want to talk about it uh, where you do have multiple species like that. There's always that excitement. You know, a lake we don't talk about a lot and that's Terry all. What are you hearing there? Terry all in the early season, is one that usually gets hit pretty hard because the ice is forming safely there pretty much before, honestly, anywhere else outside of really high elevation. Um, but the ice is really thick there right now. Uh, you know, we're sitting in that, that range of 24, 25, 26 inches in places, really hard ice. Um, but the, uh, the action has still actually been a lot better than places like 11 Mile and Antero. Usually you're not seeing very many large trout, but you can go out there in a morning or an evening and have a chance at a 30 or 40 fish day. Uh, low light condition certainly is going to be the better bet up there. And the pike action somewhat is underrated as well there. And, and there are truly large pike in that lake too. So things like a dead sucker on a tip up or a water dog all can be really, really good. Um, but, uh, but it's really a lake that, that if you want to take a kid and go catch a lot of fish or you just want to have some good action, that's a great option. You're not going to, like I said, not going to catch those big 24, 25 inches typically, although there are a few in there, but you have options at a lot of 15s and 16s. Now, what else are you hearing ice fishing? And then I think we'll switch over to some other opportunities. Yeah, so Georgetown Lake and Evergreen are both still doing pretty good. On a day like today with the wind, definitely look on those places like Georgetown. That can be pretty miserable and, and dangerous in, in places like that. But then North Park, John's been a bit slower this year. That The Delaney Buttes are still fishing really well. South Delaney in particular for numbers. North Delaney is, as, as usual, early morning late evening opportunities for big fish, but you're not going there expecting many numbers at all. Yeah, and John has been slow for numbers, but it has produced a lot of larger fish. Absolutely. That's another spot to go and hunt a fish that could potentially be of, of trophy size. 
Now, what I'd like to do, if I could put you on hold for just a minute, we'll take a time out. We've kind of covered the ice opportunities. When I come back, I want to talk a little bit about the rivers and some of the uh, appearing open water that we see and maybe approaching that a little bit. Is that okay? Would love to. Absolutely. I'll put you on hold. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back with more fishing updates from Austin Parr and Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We are going right back to the phones. We're talking to Austin Parr from Discount Tackle about uh, different fishing opportunities as we see this changing weather and changing seasons. Austin, we talked about the ice fishing opportunities. We have a few minutes. I'd like to touch a little bit on the rivers, and then I'd like to talk about what I think is going to go on with the open water. But what are you hearing on the rivers? I think we've had some pretty good fishing out there. Absolutely. And in places like Cheeseman Canyon to start with, Lows are in the high 200s, and for this time of year, that's that's a little bit higher than what average is. And those those flows really are helping to get those fish going. And especially a warm temperature day like today, when you have uh, you know a, a stretch like Deckers, where you have a bit for that water to warm up down through the canyon, although a lot pretty shadowy, uh, you can get those fish to to get going. We're going to start to see some good betas hatches that are going to be coming off here pretty quickly. And a little bit warmer days like this can really spur it. So whether you're a fly fisherman or, or wanting to throw things like jigs or, or uh, small lures in the river, a deckers could be a, a good bet. But one of my favorite options in the wintertime is the Arkansas River below Pueblo. And that, that river down there, although been hit a little bit more lately than, than it was uh, in the past, still provides fantastic opportunities for trout that not only do you have good numbers on, but also very, very good size of trout down there and, and very healthy fish. So it's a spot that if it's a little colder in the mountains, Pueblo is going to be beautiful. On a day like tomorrow, man, you could have a 75-degree day and, and maybe some really nice hatches and some dry fly action. Uh, it's one of my favorite tailwaters, and it's not just trout. That Everything that lives in that dam ends up in that tailwater, and I've caught yep. a number of trout there. I've caught smallmouth. I've caught walleyes. I even caught a 20-pound catfish in that tailwater. So, I mean, there's, yeah. there's just some amazing fishing, and it goes all the way through town. You don't just have to fish you know, close to the dam. You know, we talked about stagecoach earlier. You know, another one that doesn't get as much pressure, it's a bit of a drive, but the um, the spillway below stagecoach on the uh, on the river there is fantastic. Well, and they've done a lot of stream restoration work down there as well, and, and they've changed those holes up. They're really nice wintering holes down there as well, and that's a stretch where they actually rely on a lot of natural reproduction for the rainbows. So they've changed the spawning grounds a bit to help them along. But that stretch has fantastic fish, and, and they close the road for wintering uh, elk migration right in there. So you have to actually hike down or ride a snowmobile up from the bottom, but the hike isn't bad. I mean, it's only about a mile, mile and a half on a road that's that's generally pretty packed down with snowmobile traffic. So it is a fantastic, fantastic opportunity to go down there, and I've had good dry fly action this time of year as well. But usually, as far as fly fishing opportunities, small WD-40s, RS-2s can be very effective, and then small red blood midges like a bar's pure uh, midge larva or a, a red zebra midge all can be effective. And starting to think about some eggs as well. It's a little little early for that, but some egg patterns also can be effective. And even the conventional fishing, as usual, in the river, you can get those bigger fish to react to that uh, that bigger bait, whether it's a jerk bait or a jig or, or a little straight tail minnow. But, and there's a lot of other tailwaters. And don't forget, you know, right close to home here, the Big Thompson can fish extremely well all winter long. 
Uh, and then you get lower. Creek too. Yeah, and then you get lower stretches of the pooter. And as we get warm days, Clear Creek and Bear Creek, they're going to have ice. But when you get some warm days, they're going to be okay. But let's go real quick to some open water. My my feeling this year, and I'll let's see if you concur, is that we've had we haven't had a lot of great ice on the Front Range. So the ice fishing pressure on the Front Range has been way down. Yet these bodies of water up and down the Front Range have been heavily stocked with trout in the fall, both to get some growth and to support that ice fishing, which people don't realize the catch rate in ice fishing is much higher than open water. So these fish not only haven't been harassed, but they haven't been uh, caught either. So there's a number of fish, and they're active. I think if you drive, I drove by St. Brain on the way in. I would venture to guess that those trout are moving towards shore where the water's warming up, where the uh, bug life is, and also starting to even think about spawning. And as we, it doesn't have to be ice-free, but where you find open water, I think you're going to find some incredible fishing from now through total ice off uh, and almost any of these front-range waters. Especially at a place like St. Vrain that has had virtually zero ice fishing pressure, that could be a great option. Aurora is the same way, and Aurora has a population of really actually big trout in it at times. And Aurora ice has, has been very unsafe, although some people have been doing it. it the, the pressure from a normal year is drastically uh, less. So that is a, a great option out there as well. And, and all these lakes have trout in it, Chatfield and, and Cherry Creek as well. Chatfield right now even there's enough open water to go fish. And I've been hearing some guys catching walleye as well as trout close to shore, ironically, at the moment. And that whole eastern side, that northeastern side by the marine area, you know, you have good open water. And even with an ice fishing tournament going on on the south end of the lake, you're going to have open water opportunities on the north side. So it's something to really, really think about. And potentially an early spring could also mean that these walleyes could be moving up shallower on these rock faces as well. So it's something over the next two weeks or so here to, to really start thinking about before they close the, the dam faces on March 1st. Yeah, I would, I would uh, the small ponds, the lakes, any of them that are heavily stocked with trout, if you just want to go out and catch fish, take a kid fishing, or just be a kid, you can go out and catch some of those trout. And you can use, you know, little spinners, you can use little spoons, you can use power bait, you can use jigs. There's just a number of presentations that'll work. Yeah, and it is an opportunity to, to catch a lot of them with potentially a bigger fish to come. And, and you have this, this water temperature still really cold. And, and in the summertime, these uh, metro fisheries aren't usually as good just due to the fact that that warmer water, a little bit less oxygen up top, and those trout are sitting in deep, deep water. But right now, they're right up against the shoreline in nice oxygenated, cool water, and they are exceedingly active. This is the time to hit them right now. We have to run, Austin. If people want more information, how do they find you? You can always find me at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, which is six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. I certainly appreciate it, Tom. You bet. Austin Parr. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and we'll talk more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Take it to the limit. One of the best Eagles songs. It's a good one to end the show with, I feel like. It's a great, great, but we got Ronnie waiting. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So let's go to the phones and Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing really well. I'm looking at my notes, and you got a couple things you want to talk about that 
kind of near and dear to my heart, some things that have kind of changes in the uh, both bait and equipment in the last few years that have made quite a difference. And I know you're an ice fishing aficionado, and you tell me you've kind of likened those cordless drill augers. Is that right? Absolutely, Terry. You know, I've gotten into using those this year, and uh, it's a game changer. There's no doubt about it, you know. Yes, I've been ice fishing for well over, you know, 10, 15 years now, and uh, primarily I do a lot of my ice fishing down here on the Front Range every year, Terry. So for years, you know, this time of year I was I was on lakes like, like Boyd or Douglas or Wellington, things like that, and, and uh, always was, you know, going through maybe anywhere from 5 to 10 inches of ice, and, and my hand auger was fine. You know, I could get out there and I could drill 20, 30 holes a day, no problem with my hand auger. But, you know, this year, you know, the Front Range ice is not not been very good this year it wasn't very good last year as well terry so you know recently we've been heading up into the mountains and we've been you know getting to some of those higher altitude lakes and you get up there terry now you're dealing with anywhere from 15 to 20 inches of ice and and that hand auger is not necessarily your best friend in those kind of conditions terry so i've jumped into that whole market of utilizing the 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 augers that have been specifically made to go on uh drills terry now that's not something you know that's that's new as far as the concept goes uh, i can remember 10 years ago um buying an adapter and hooking my my six inch mora to a to a cordless drill and getting out there and utilizing it but the reality was back then is that those augers weren't really designed to go on drills terry um they were really designed the hand augers are designed to spin a lot slower and to be a lot more of an aggressive cut as far as how they dig into the ice well then somebody came up with the idea hey let's go ahead and design some some augers that are designed to actually go on these these fancy new cordless drills uh these augers you know they're designed to spin quite a bit faster than you can with a hand auger they're designed to not quite get into the ice as aggressively and you know these kind of modifications that they've done to these things have really made that those those uh augers designed to go on these drills you know some of the best options you can have out there as far as augers go terry have you uh stumbled on one i you know i've looked at them i've been out with guys that used them and i'm going to honestly tell you i haven't purchased one yet but i've been looking at hard Looking hard. I got rid of my power auger, so I just have a hand auger right now. And if I get a new power auger, it's going to be either a battery-operated power auger or a drill adapter. Which one did you seem to settle on? Which one do you like? Well, there's two that I have experience with, Terry, and uh, the first one would be the, the K-Drill that's out there. The, the K-Drill auger is an outstanding auger out there. Um, that's not the one I ended up purchasing, however, but I have used the K-Drill. I have, have some buddies that have them, so we've been out and we utilize the K-Drill. The K-Drill is an excellent choice um, if you're looking for you know an auger that's really basically indestructible. That K-Drill is a tank as far as that auger goes. Um, it weighs around 10 pounds. Um, it doesn't have the traditional auger blades on it. It has chipping teeth on it that come down, Terry. So it, it really tears through the ice in kind of a different fashion than traditional augers do. Um, and it does a really good job at doing that. Um, the auger that I've ended up owning, however, is a pistol bit auger, Terry. Um, now that auger there has the traditional auger style blades on it. 
However, it's completely redesigned how they've done that. And the really cool thing about the pistol bit auger is that it's incredibly light, Terry. Um, the auger itself weighs a little bit less than three pounds. Um, it, it, it's really cool, Terry. You know, I would say between the two, they're both excellent choices. If you're going to be dealing with thicker ice and you're somebody who really fishes a whole heck of a lot or maybe gets on uh, ice that you know has a tendency to be real dirty, then I would probably steer people towards that K-drill auger because it's a, a, you know, it's a little bit more indestructible. It's solid metal, that kind of a thing. And the, and the chipper teeth that are on it are really designed to never be sharpened. They're just designed to, you know, they're, they're actually guaranteed for life, I believe, for the life of the, of the auger. Um, the pistol bit one, like I've purchased, Harry, um, is an excellent choice if you're not going to be dealing with really, really thick ice because it's not quite as long of an auger. But if you're dealing with ice that's, say, 20 inches and below, then that pistol bit's outstanding because it is so light and it is so easy to, to deal with, Terry. Now, one thing to keep in mind about both of those two auger choices, um, they come in two sizes. The the K-drill and the pistol bit both come in what, what are said to be 6-inch and 8-inch um, augers. However, that K-drill, from my experience, um, doesn't quite you know, reach that size as far as it goes. So the six inch in that version is really more like a five inch hole. And the eight inch in the K drill is really more like a seven inch hole. Um, I would say if you're looking at that K drill, the smaller one is, is really too small for a lot of things, unless you're specifically going for panfish all the time. Um, so I would probably steer people towards that eight inch one in that. The pistol bit version, it, it's a true six-inch hole, and it's a true eight-inch hole as far as that goes. And, uh, you know, so if you're if you're looking for the one that's going to make the biggest hole, then that would be the eight-inch version of that pistol bit. Or if you're really somebody who just likes to have kind of a smaller hole that's going to be easier to drill, then that six-inch in that pistol bit would be my choice, Terry. Yeah, they both sound really good. And, you know, with the ice season winding down, I'll bet you can get some really good deals on them. Ronnie, while well, we got a couple minutes left, my notes also said that you took a bait that um, I actually been field testing for about three years for Berkeley, and you've been starting to use parts of it under the ice. That's the new Maxent. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. You know, we've been out on the ice this year, and we got out on the ice last year and utilized that Maxent minnow. Um, I can tell you just from the other day of being up in the mountains there on the lake, we got out there and, you know, obviously the lake had really, really seen a lot of pressure. There were holes drilled everywhere and we could tell, you know, this lake's been beat up, Terry. Um, I started off utilizing the, you know, gold minnows that I usually kind of have, have always been my go-to and I was getting a lot of refusals, Terry. I was seeing fish coming in on my electronics, but they weren't really wanting to bite it. They were just looking at it. They were chasing it as it falls. They were looking at it as it comes up, but they weren't really striking it. So, you know, I needed to make a change. And I knew that, that that needed to take place. So I went ahead and, and grabbed those those uh, four-inch flat-nosed minnows that I had in my bag. And uh, I trimmed maybe the front inch off of one of those minnows and put that on my jig head, you know, the, the back three inches of it. Um, dropped that thing in the hole, Terry, and immediately they bit that thing right away. And they continued to bite that thing for the rest of the day. Um, you know, it's a very similar bait to the gulp minnow as far as the shape and the size and, and that sort of a thing, although it's a completely different material, and it's way more supple, Terry, and it has a lot more kind of a snaky action. So, you know, just that little bit of, of more of a snaky action was probably the difference as far as getting the strikes. And, uh, you know, the beauty of that Maxent minnow is that when they bite it, they absolutely hold on to it because it's got all that infused water-based scent that's, that's in that product. And the other thing that's really outstanding about that product is that uh, – 
you know, it doesn't freeze as quickly as the gulp minnow does. So a lot of times when it's really cold, that gulp minnow has a tendency to, to freeze up if you don't have it in the water. That max scent minnow stays far more supple outside of the water. It doesn't freeze nearly as fast. And so you can you can bounce around a lake and you can fish a lot of holes and you don't have to necessarily worry about your baits freezing as you're working your way around the lake, Terry. So that max scent minnow, if people haven't tried that, I, I can highly recommend that through the ice, Terry. Well, you know, and it makes great sense. You know, because the gulp was the was the they started with power bait. Berkeley did, which was a great. It was still mostly a sight based reaction, but they'd get the taste when they bit it, or if they were extremely close, they might get some scent, and they'd hang on to it. They came out with the gulp, which really put a lot of scent out, helped increase the bite, helped people hang on to it. But the gulp material wasn't very supple, like you said, so it was limited in its applications. The new Max scent takes. Almost as much scent, not quite as much, but puts it in that supple form. And in all types of baits, it really, really makes a difference. And I haven't used it through the ice yet, but in open water, I've been just a huge fan. Ronnie, we got to run, but um, if people want more information from you, how do they get a hold of you? You can find me, Ronnie Castellotti, on Facebook. You can get a hold of us at fishfulthinker.com or fishfulthinker on Facebook. And uh, we are definitely booking trips for this next year. So um, get a hold of us, and we'll get you out once the lakes open up. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again very soon. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castellotti. Hey, coming in the studio, my favorite football procrastinator. I was going to say. I was going to say procrastinator because you'll put off picking, but that's not what I was going to say. But we have a game I heard tomorrow. Yeah. How are you, Terry? I'm great. How are you? Good. How many uh, fish did you catch this week? I didn't fish. You didn't catch any fish? I, I didn't fish, so it's hard to catch fish. I was down. Why didn't you fish? I was down enjoying the nice warm weather in Phoenix. So you were in warm weather? You went fishing? No, next week, this coming week when I'm in Florida, I will oh, go fishing. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to fish there. Oh, so when you're on the air next week working hard, I'll expect a report on the amount of fish you caught. Actually, I'm having a fill-in next week. Oh, you're I'll, not working I'll next week. I'll be on the water. Oh, okay. Now, I heard there's a football game coming up. There is. Now, I'm not going to ask you for your pick yet because I'm sure you want to save that till later in the show. Not that people would wait for your opinion, but hey, <laughs> well, you know, you come in and you rip me, so I got to. No, I, so... I just heard you talking about how you can't use it. You have to get like an electric auger. You can't even like cut your own ice anymore. That What's wasn't me. On? That was a guest. I don't own one. No, you but... said if I get one, I'll need a. Uh, I said if I get a new power me, auger, like a, it'll uh, be yeah, electric. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Let's get to the game. All right. I'm, by the way, I'm getting on a plane to Florida after the show. Which part of Florida? You know I'm a Florida guy. Um, well, I'm going to Orlando first. Okay. And then I'm going nice. to North Reddington Beach. Okay. But anyway, I think it comes down to, I think Kansas City has a better quarterback. He may you be, think so, He Terry. may be the best breaking quarterback news, in the league. We have the breaking news alert, yes. And I think the 49ers have a better overall team. They do. If Kansas City's defense, which has played better, can stop the 49ers' run game, I think it's game over. But if they can't, and the 49ers can keep Kansas City, say, to 25 points, then I think the 49ers win it. But I have a real tough time picking this game. Yeah, the problem with the the Chiefs is that they, they play sloppy and they make mistakes, and then they feel they can kind of flip the switch, which to this point they have, right? They can just make up for it and score a bunch, bunch of points. But this is a... Very well-rounded team in the Niners. So that's my I, – I think the Chiefs are the better team. They should win, even though they're not as complete of a team. But because the Niners are so good defensively, 
the Chiefs might find themselves in a spot where they just have put themselves in a tough position throughout most of the game and then are trying to come back, and that might backfire on them. All right, we got to go. They're getting us out of early today, so they've got some commercials. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour, and then we'll give Dan a couple minutes to rest, and he's going to talk sports on 104.3 The Fan. And she's sure.